0: Well, hello there everyone and welcome back to the Ezra Lip hour more or less. Today we have Brad Bar.
1: When I think about, you know, a generic term like the blues when I I guess I would have previously said, oh yeah, the blues comes from Africa and, you know, and when it arrived in America, it it was changed in these ways and it was adapted and and the guitar and this and that, but but these days I just have this more global view of it. Like it's it's more of a it's more of a human color than a you know specific to any geography. It's uh, more of just a human human sound than a you know North African or West African or Indian thing. That's how I've come to see it.
0: Now my guest today, uh, I could say so much about about my guest today because really he and his bandmates through the years um, have played such a pivotal role in my musical development. I first saw uh, The Slip, which was Brad Barr and Andrew Barr, his brother, and Mark Friedman when I was a wee lad of 14, early part of 1998. Uh, and they were my favorite band for many years and changed my life, changed how I viewed music, changed how I viewed improvisation. Um, they became my musical heroes to eventual direct and indirect teachers, to, uh, mentors, to friends and colleagues, and, and and actually probably simultaneously still hold all those roles for me the slip was a amazing band that came out of providence rhode island in the mid and late 90s and toured all over the country for uh over a decade and a half kind of winding down toward the end of the aughts but built up a loyal fan base that i would really equate to the fan base of the Grateful Dead, in a sense. And and let me clarify, I don't think their music draws too many parallels to that sound. However, it's the kind of thing where there weren't too many casual slip listeners. In other words, most people I knew that were fans of the band were kind of all in, or maybe just didn't understand it, uh, which I think holds true. In a lot of ways, for, for a lot of people that listen to the Grateful Dead and a few other bands that might be in the same category, um, and it was hard to get a sense of of the depth of their sound and in, in the experience by just listening to a song or even even a full record. They kind of had a very their their sound encapsulated a lot of different areas, a lot of different genres. Their live performances were an integral part of what made them special. They also have a uh, brad i should say as well as andrew and mark from the slip also formed a band called surprise me mr davis with the amazing nathan moore who uh, i'm hoping he'll come on the podcast one day i'm working on that so nathan if you're listening we got we got to make a date and uh and then later marco benevento who will be on an upcoming episode and they they have a really fun band called surprise me mr davis which is kind of kind of a rare treat they're not touring regularly anymore but once in a while they'll they'll come to high sierra music festival and blow our minds speaking of which high sierra music festival for those of you in northern california is coming up this weekend it's one of my favorite festivals one of my favorite weekends of the year i'll be up there this year playing uh a play shop with with lebo dan lebowitz we're going to be celebrating the 40th anniversary of the Grateful Dead's Terrapin Station album. So I'll be performing that on Saturday with Lebo and lots of other great musicians and special guests. So if you hear this and you're headed to High Sierra, come check out that show. Come say hello. Let me know you're out there. And of course, keep, keep writing. Keep, keep uh, sharing this. Get the word out. Feel free to contact me about the podcast and, and everything. I'd love to stay active in engaging with you guys that are supporting it um, with your generous ears. Anyway, back to my guest. Brad and Andrew's current band is called the Bar Brothers. They're now based out of Montreal and are also uh, an excellent band that I I love just as much as uh, all their previous projects. And they've put out a few records for Secret City Records. They have uh, two full lengths and an uh, EP. They have a new album coming out in the fall. It's it's Brad, Andrew, Sarah, Page on on harp make the core of the band. I should mention Brad is a guitarist, Andrew is a drummer, and they have a couple other rotating members of that band. But the three of them make up the core, and they're now touring nationally and internationally, developing a big following, having more of a of a commercial appeal, I would say, um, and and are just killing it and uh, it was great to talk to Brad. He's he's always such a profound and, and fascinating and, and generous and patient and uh, interesting guy. So I enjoyed this conversation. I'm sure we'll have more because there's there's a lot to a lot more we could have talked about. But without further ado, please welcome my hero, Brad Barr. Enjoy. I'm gonna take one more bite of this bagel. Yeah. Please so good. Mm. <laughs> I miss. We don't, we don't have great bagels here. Oh, no? Yeah, I I can't I haven't found any in 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 Northern California for some reason.
1: I have three three amazing like very competitive with each other bagel stores within um a half a block from my house. Yeah, that's the two. It's uh, yeah, it's kind of. I I guess I take it for granted a little bit.
0: Well, the, the East Coast the sh- is definitely where it's at as far as that goes. So. Why do you think? Why do you think that is? Bagels just didn't the, the Jews Jews kind of. You're you're Jewish, aren't yeah. you? Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm Jewish. Um, so, uh, but but well, people say it actually that it might have to do with like the air quality uh Uh uh-huh which i don't totally understand i don't know that much about baking but um maybe that uh maybe that is something uh yeah yeah possible hmm anyway all right uh how you been
1: good good uh busier than ever, uh, trying to renovate this house. I think I might've told you about Andrew and I bought that house together and, uh, he's, yeah, finishing a record and building a house and, um, don't recommend trying to do those two
0: things at the same time. Um, yeah, let but alone, uh, let alone but adding good. new babies in the in the mix,
1: and yeah, and adding babies, yeah. That it uh, it did it did keep us alert. We didn't <laughs> we didn't slack, right? Um, but uh, it yeah, actually it's it's great. It's just uh, every day is like like I'm surprised I have an hour right now. I don't even really I should, like I told Bridget I go up to the house, but and and do some work but my um my wrist got kind of messed up in the the last last week from uh uh, just hauling so much stuff it's just that it's gonna go away i think i I don't know if it's carpal tunnel or just a sore wrist but uh i i don't really want to mess with it i have a gig this weekend so Mm. i was like i should i should take it easy so yeah um but uh, yeah in an hour i'm supposed to go meet with a uh a little sort of film crew. We're trying to trying to pull off a teaser video for the record that involves like filming EKG machines uh, and like having to like trying to trying to find a couple of EKG machines in the city it's and like, like
0: heart monitor machines, right? Yeah,
1: heart like monitors. That. Yeah, with the little wave, the blip there. Yeah, trying to find a couple of those in the city and then like run signal into them. Um, like run audio into them. They're basically EQs, but like, like uh, visual EQs, you know. But um, <clears throat> actually, I'm. I'm go- yeah, that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna go experiment on one friend of mine. Like hooked up a, wired it with like standard, uh, eight, a quarter inch cable instead of the, um,
0: whatever sensors. Uh, so, and we're gonna try and see what happens when you film it. <clears throat> so it's gonna it theoretically monitor the the waves of the music
1: yeah andrew um the uh opening track of the record he was uh he, it was inspired by this experience he had where um he had to take my mom to the emergency room at like two in the morning she hit her head on the bathtub they were, oh. were like it was actually christmas night i think and we had been up late and we were all drinking and my mom hit her head on the bathtub and he he took her to the emergency room and uh they were stitching her up it was my it was minor she needed some stitches there but um while i was sitting there waiting he heard these two ekg machines um beating making the like like monitoring some patients that somewhere Mm -hmm. that he couldn't see and uh they were doing this reduction thing it was like he 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 translated it to uh 15 over 16 so it was like this reductive beat like a boom 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 it was like this this kind of like um big cycle and uh and he went and he he wrote a rhythm uh wrote that rhythm out or or played it Rick recorded it and uh it's the opening track on the record so we uh, are trying to make a video where the where these two machines are responding to that so I had to like bounce you know do like a bounce of just, just the drum rhythm and uh, and send them to two machines uh, so we're going to go try and film that it's <clears throat> I never made, just make it easy <laughs> on ourselves <laughs> like could have just uh, could have just taken a picture of like somebody you know walking around or something but um but no, it's like, yeah. So so uh, yeah, trying to keep my life um, interesting and
0: uh, f- full of new experiences. Yeah, that, that sounds like a, a rad idea, though. I'm, I'm excited to hear that and see that.
1: So you, you wrote music
0: to that to that rhythm? And then I wrote music
1: to it, yeah. Um, yeah, that's the, f- the first track on the record. Um, wait, hold on. Hold on, let me see. I may be able to... To be able to play it for oh, you. That'd Hold be on. great. Yeah. Nice. <clears throat> um, yeah. And Eli's, Eli's on that track too. He's singing uh, some oh,
0: backups. Nice. <laughs> <clears throat> can he? Can he? Uh, can he actually sing notes? He, I, we should just say that Eli is your three-year-old son. Yep. Okay.
1: Um, yeah, I was pretty amazed. I. Uh, <clears throat> so his daycare is right, uh, pretty much next door to my studio, and I pick him up. You know, almost every day. Pretty much every day, we're making the record. I pick him up. Go to the studio with him for like half an hour or something, and an hour, and just uh, mess around. And he has a little drum set there um, that Andrew gave him, and it was just, he will just, you know, just to play on all the instruments. And um, when we were doing that track, I actually put the headphones on him, set up a mic, uh, and he sang the same um, melody at the same part of the chord cycle every time wow. I was uh I, w- I was pretty shocked because
2: uh
1: <sighs> I don't know I I, I you know uh, yeah just as a as a dad I was like wow okay that's pretty impressive like he knew he just felt that felt this little melody it was kind of a uh far to me kind of um little thing and uh always at the same point of the real like he'd wait he'd wait till it came around and then he'd sing it again so another another dad boasting the he's a genius son yeah
2: i yep. was <laughs> i was i was
1: pretty surprised and I, I I had to put it on there i was like oh i have to,
0: I have to use this melody it's too good how has uh fatherhood been affecting your uh music and life and career well i know that's a that's a big open-ended question yeah
1: uh you'd have to take it in uh three parts uh because music um okay music musically it was uh it was felt a little difficult actually at the at the beginning, at least, and uh, and still a little bit. Um, so he was born right when we finished our last record. So he had sort of a, <clears throat> you know, it was it was sort of the time to, you know, th- think about writing some new tunes and getting a, a new record together, but not immediately. You know, he had a little figured by you know, <clears throat> figured I had a couple years till another record would come out, and. Um, but yeah music and songwriting uh came really slow over that three-year period um between the time i was born and the the time this music uh new music came out i mean it's always been sort of a uh, sort of mysterious thing to me how, how like getting into the headspace and when the songs come and what kind of a frame of mind i i need to be in to write a song um I've never had a like a formula that worked. So, um, but it felt like it felt like um, whereas previously I would have been able to sort of dive into my own neurosis a little bit, or my own just you know my own take on things, my own take on you know myself or on people or uh, the world, you know. Suddenly, I was just way less interested in what I had to say about things. I was, I couldn't, uh, I just couldn't really (laughs) rally behind a lot of the, I guess, um, rally behind the same thoughts that had, you know, spurned a lot of the songs previously and a lot of my songwriting. Just that sort of introverted uh, self-reflection. It. definitely didn't interest me, um, as much as, you know, the way he was starting to see the world. And, and so it was just kind of a flip in, in my own frame of mind and it, but it made songwriting a little tough cause I'd been able to kind of fall back on those, on those, uh, themes or crutches of songwriting, you know, how do I, how do I feel about this thing? How do I, what is my impression of this or that? And yeah, those are no longer like terribly interesting to me or seem important. Not that they ever were important before, but they, at least I could write songs about it. Um,
0: do, you feel so, like yeah. have, have, do you feel like you were then started writing songs more through Eli's perspective?
1: Well, that one was a good example there. The, the song that uh, I just played you that little yeah. fragment of, cause um, I think the themes on the record are a- are absolutely influenced by it. Um, in in regards to um, well, like that song for example, was kind of written as a open letter to him, like like down the road, almost like a um, time capsule yeah. letter for him, like looking like you know. If, whatever happens between now and like, you know, 30 years from now, if you like find, if you find this letter, maybe it'll help explain some things about who I was, um, <clears throat> which kind of contradicts the self-reflective um, thing. I was <laughs> well, just saying, yeah, but, but it, it
0: adds, it <laughs> adds another layer to the story. W- what's the sentiment in that?
1: I mean, I guess it's pretty generic, but that, you know, what, not not a, not a perfect not a perfect guy by any stretch uh, certainly had uh, certainly had my um, you know wrestle r- struggled to be you know keep my integrity and uh, struggled to um, I don't know remain virtuous
0: are you are you speaking? specifically in your years since being a father or or just kind of your whole life leading? No
1: life life in general yeah, but okay. but but including including that you know um um
0: and,
1: and uh and you know and like the relationship with his mother this is all totally contradicting what i said before about self reflective introspective writing but it it did it did sort of having a having a real Person there that I was, uh, you know, essentially trying to spell some things out and, um, you know, give him some clues as to who 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 I, you know, was or am. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, and I'm kind of thinking about it song by song. Like, um, it is in there. His his the influence of of uh, being a father uh yeah the second song is called look before it changes um which is pretty obvious for me as, as and as you know it's like having a kid suddenly makes you you know seeing this you just see the time pass you know two years and like you you it's hard to even remember what they were like when they were three months old and you were basking in that kind of ridiculous uh, squirming baby love yeah um and then you know, all of a sudden they're running around. and It's like, okay, it's just kind of that. Take you know, and and that goes for the relationships in our lives too. You know, when you're mm. when you're in the middle of it, it's, you just kind of think you appreciate it, but you never really think that like there's gonna there's gonna come a time when I'm um, completely estranged from this person. You know, like maybe it's twenty years from now, but like. You know the the friendships I had when you know some of the seminal relationships I had it through you know over the course of my life the ones that like really shaped me like a lot of those folks I haven't spoken with in a decade or more so it's kind of that like take yeah a, a, a try and try and appreciate those things and um, you know because they're gonna they are gonna change can't help it yeah absolutely. You said music, life, career. I did. Yeah, life, um, life. Yeah, I, I, I can see. See, I know. why I, I know. I. It's so great to have a kid. It's like, kind of going back to the music side of things. Like at a certain point, it's just so good to have another, this other mountain to climb. I'm 41 now, and you know, obviously, there's. There's so much I could do. I could, you know, from traveling and learning and reading. There's, you know, boundless, uh, boundless new, undiscovered areas for me. But you know, but having a kid really like, just sort of sets up this, uh, this huge, vast landscape to be discovered at, at, a, at a time in your life when you may sort of start to feel like you've, you've seen. <laughs> A lot of what what you know, a lot of your ideas are formed. You're starting to relax and get comfortable in who you are and what you do in life. And now, and all of a sudden, you have a kid, and it's like, okay, let's let's relearn, <laughs> let's relearn everything.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: It's good for good for good for life for me. Um,
0: Say that again. Good for and then good for life. Yeah,
1: good for good for yeah, good for good for life. Good for the life life
0: effect yeah um but makes put, i mean in it and it changes it changes your mission <laughs> and or or adds you know more depth and complication now that you're responsible yeah. for another human and and will always be yeah to a certain extent yeah it just makes makes yeah it's it's still the the
1: highlight of my days picking him up from daycare and he uh he says daddy and he runs over and it's like it's yes, i just the best best thing in the world yeah. to me yeah um, i'm sure you you relate i do yeah and ca- career wise uh i haven't really haven't really felt that change but i do but like you said you have a kind of a new mission it's like uh yeah i want him I would like to you know it's funny because yeah it, it um makes me want to stay home more which actually is not sort of maybe great for a music career like you kind of gotta gotta be out there uh, mm-hmm. running around and um, but it does fill it with some some purpose like you know it's not just this isn't just about me and any like you know, my sort of creative aspirations, or um, it's you know, it's not just it's not just about that anymore. It's like uh, I <clears throat> I would like this to provide for him. I don't want him to go shoeless, um, but but I can't say I have figured out how to employ that, uh, you know, musically. Although although this record may may be more. May have more sort of pop leanings than other stuff, but I don't. But that wasn't that wasn't a result of trying to feed my child.
0: Yeah. Um, Was that just where you guys are at, or was it more of a conscious decision to get be a little more accessible commercially?
1: No, nothing we ever do musically is is terribly conscious until we're like sitting in front of the computer trying to, like, edit something, and then you're thinking, like, you know, is this intro too long? Should I should we chop this? Kid? That's when it sort of becomes conscious thinking. But, um, no, it was very, very visceral. I think it, the record has this physicality to it that I was just – the only things that – the only things I stuck with were things that, like, really kind of moved me physically actually like hit me in in some kind of way and, and it and what it translates to um on this album is like kind of simpler simpler song forms and simpler uh chord cycles and arrangements it's like it's very very kind of trancey. even the even the songs I think are a little more pop pop oriented are kind of like really like these straight lines and and the thing that defines the parts of the songs is more like melodic and energetic than all right here's the chorus so it's going to be a chord change it kind of like songs songs in this record um, hard, hardly hardly change at all they just kind of. And, uh, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't conscious. It was just kind of like where I was at. I didn't, I didn't feel like making things changes as as much. I I just wanted to stay with an idea and, uh, yeah, you'll, you'll see. It's just kind of a, it's kind of like songs are kind of like little trains. You just get on and they, and they, they don't stop until you're over the hill.
0: I, um, I'm kind of getting, let me know if this is on target at all, I'm, I'm, but I'm kind of drawing allusions to, like, some Gnawa music or even, like, um, minimalist. Um, I mean, I'm sure it's, like, not aesthetically the same, but kind of things that just have a central theme and just kind of slowly evolve over. Is that is that is that the right direction? Yeah,
1: I would, yeah, I would, I I might even use that in our album bio what
0: thank you that-
1: <laughs> your, re- your reference there okay uh yeah yeah, it, free, yeah. 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 um the uh yeah some of, like some of the some of the only music i really listen to these days um like i've really been into uh, mississippi fred mcdowell as um guitar player just where it's 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 the blues, it's, you know, De- Delta blues, but it's way closer in my mind to, to like Ganao music or a trance music. He's not, he's not hitting chord changes. He's just driving a, a straight line through it. He's letting his voice tell the story, mm. make the arc, and, as opposed to like a, you know, Robert Johnson or just kind of that kind of Delta blues where it's all about the you know, the chords and making the melody arc around these chords and having that sort of, you know, songwriting style, uh, you know, be the characteristic element of it. That guy like Fred McDowell is more like a, more like a, yeah, North African trance musician, uh, just staying on, staying on the groove he's got. Um, and yeah, I I think that's maybe just some result of uh yeah, just gravitating to a lot of that music over the years.
0: Um one thing I want to ask you about, I I I've never uh we never talked about this um but I I heard uh you, first of all, I, you made that playlist um on Spotify the booth for Secret City Records um a couple, like a year or so ago. Is that right? Yeah. And um First of all, I, I love that playlist. Um, so it was really, uh, it was a great, great listen, And I love all your introductions. So thank you for, for doing that. And, um, oh, well, if anyone wants yeah. to check it out, uh, you could just go to Spotify. And I think under Secret City Records playlist, uh, Brad Bar The Booth. And Brad gives some introductions to this playlist that's kind of all over the place with different influences. that And, and they're all great songs. And anyway, I, I really appreciate that. Um,
1: I was like, that was, yeah, I was I remember that. I, it totally reminded me of a, uh, like a, a two-day period of recording all these little introductions for then choosing these songs, and I had totally forgotten I, I did that, but I got a little obsessive for, for about two days there. Uh, I forget, I, I completely forget what I chose for that, so I'm looking forward to your question.
0: Yeah, yeah, well, um, it's less about the playlist, but more about you had mentioned that you were in Morocco studying. Um <laughs> during in one of the introductions and i and i didn't know about that trip um so i'm wondering if you could tell a little about that and what you were doing there
1: oh yeah um well <clears throat> to call it studying would be a bit of a stretch i okay. i i went <clears throat> with uh my uh then girlfriend um
0: oh so this was this and, was some time ago
1: yeah i think it was
0: 2009 or 10. okay um, <clears throat> Did you go with Andrew? But
1: too? No, I, no. It was just me and her. Her mom. Uh, so her mom was house sitting a house in Malaga, Spain, um, and which is you can you can see uh, you can see the Atlas or you, know, you can see I don't know if you can see the Atlas Mountains, but you can see Morocco from that southern coast of Spain. And um, so we took a ferry from. Um, to it Tarifa uh, and Tarifa to Tangiers, I think is what it, what the ferry is. And uh, we were there for about two weeks. Um, and I just knew that I wanted to. I just wanted to learn and listen to and be around um, Gnawa music, and you know, find somebody who knew about uh, the who. <clears throat> knew about Ganawa and could play, you know, I could listen to play, play some Gimbri and, and, and my hope was to leave Morocco with a Gimbri. And, uh, <clears throat> it was, it was really cool. All I had to do was mention to our, um, we were staying at a youth hostel. I just mentioned to the guy, like, you know, do you know any, any Gimbri players? And he's like, yeah, 10, 11, 11 PM, you know, make sure you're here at 11 PM. I'll tell my, this guy to come by and this guy, uh, came by that night, made some PM. tea. That's
0: awesome. At Eleven
1: p.m. Yeah, <clears throat> made some um, some gunpowder tea, and he had this gimbri. He looked like <sighs> he looked <clears throat> he looked kind of like Jimi Hendrix of of like Ganawa. Like <laughs> big, you know, really tall, impressive uh, stature, um, dreadlocks, and he had this is Gimbri with him and he, we just sat in the living room and he just played for about three hours <clears throat> just me, the hotel uh, hostel manager my girlfriend and him, just four of us sitting in this room for about three hours and he, and he played uh, the whole time and sang <clears throat> I recorded some of it but I, I lost it, it was mm. like one of the most soulful experiences I'd, I'd ever had, wow. just how much he conveyed on this three string, um, the, the Gimbri, by the way, for those that don't know, it's, uh, it's a three string, uh, bass essentially, but it's more, it's almost more like a drum. It's a, uh, <clears throat> I know, you know, this mm-hmm. is, um, <laughs> uh, but it's, yeah, it's like a carved out piece of wood with a goat, goat skin, um, attached to it. Very sort of rudimentary bridge system just a piece of wood and three gut strings um that just span one one octave you can really it's really just meant to be played one octave and but the amount (coughs) excuse me the amount uh of music that this thing is you know given birth to over millennia is is so there's no there's no overstating how much uh the, the the gimbri, I, th- I mean, it, to me when I hear it, I hear everything that you know, everything that became the blues music, soul music, uh, the ba- all the great you know bass lines, just the pentatonic scale. Um, it was really born from this this thing. And
0: uh, how did that so first? I, yeah. uh, oh, sorry, continue, please. No, 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 you go ahead. I'm just wondering how. Um, that first kind of got on on your radar and with w- because I feel like there's a big um West African but also North African influence with the Bar Brothers that maybe I didn't hear as much um or notice as much or, uh in in like the slip um and your music prior to that and I'm wondering if that was something in the last you know decade or so you guys just got more into or was it always there and I just didn't notice it or? Um, it, it's, it's definitely been an influence,
1: uh, you know, of our, between uh, myself and Andrew, uh, prior to the slip. Um, my, uh, it goes back to, for, for me, sort of the earliest memories I have or some, um, I was probably 13, Andrew was 11. And, uh, my dad's a dentist in Providence, and this guy Abdul Dumbia had come to uh, teach at Brown University from from Bamako, Mali, and uh, he needed some dental work. And my dad, he probably just opened the phone book, found my dad, and my dad uh, fixed his teeth for for almost nothing. I think he's what he said was. Don't worry about paying me, but <clears throat> you're a you're a drummer. Uh, he was a djembe player. Uh, you're a drummer. My son likes to play drums. Maybe you could give him some give him some lessons on that instrument for uh, you know in, in exchange. Of course, Andrew was uh, was way into that idea,
2: yeah. and
1: that 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 was the beginning of our relationship with Abdul Dumbia, who um, we're still friends with. He lives in Colorado now. Lives in Boulder. Um, but uh, he kind of took Andrew under his wing and and we would go and hang out with him in, in at his house in Providence, you know, over our te- you know teenage years, just kind of soaking in. They would sit around. It was just great. They would sit around the living room, drink gunpowder tea, watching TV, but <clears throat> they would when the show came on, they would mute it and they'd play music. They would have like a cora, balaphone, a couple of Jimmbes a junjun. June. And then when the commercials came on, they'd all stop playing and unmute the TV and watch the commercials <laughs> wow. and, and, and laugh and just find them hilarious and ridiculous. And then this, whatever show was on would come back on, they'd mute it and go back to playing music. Um, and, and then eventually Andrew, uh, went to Mali with, with Abdul and I don't know, just that the, he, st- he studied there, f- uh, for I think a month and a half with Abdul, um, that was around ninety,
0: seven, ninety eight, mm-hmm. some. Um, I know he got like mugged the day he arrived too. Oh um, yeah. Traumatic, right. So, traumatic entrance.
1: Yeah. He was said he was like being pursued. I mean, he was, he was only eight, 18, 17 right. or 18, yeah. I think maybe 19. But yeah, he, he, uh, I mean, he's not that street smart now. I can't imagine <laughs> back then. Um, but yeah, that that in, <clears throat> this is a sorry long answer, yeah. but um, that that influence always has always been there, in like you know, trying to digest, especially the Mo, the Malayan rhythms and and six over four and the bell line and just how it can straighten and swing and straighten and, and at the you know sometimes at the same time going back and forth, and uh, <clears throat> and to me the Moroccan the North African groove is just kind of always in between
0: mm-hmm. yeah
1: it, it almost always has that lope like in Mali. it can be like they'll just go hard one way and and stay there and the north african stuff just kind of has that ever it's ever loping and um and with the bar brothers we just recognize that the potential with the harp to like you know articulate um a lot of those rhythms, and Sarah had, Sarah had sort of incidentally been been exploring that music. She's very, you know, she's got her eyes on a lot of different traditions and cultures, and music, um, and she had been really, yeah, like checking it out, checking out the music, uh, West Africa, and when I at the time I met her, so it was, yeah, it's it's just sort of like <clears throat> became one of our. Uh, of t- uh, places of uh, of discovery, you know, and like, and still, still is sort of one of our common grounds that we're that we're always interested in and always pursuing. But yeah, it has sort of come out over more over the last decade, I think, because by virtue of the the instrumentation um, and the yeah maybe yeah the instrumentation and the volume and just the and just that like we had to find a new way of being funky you know like uh sarah was sarah was never into like you know funk music like we were yeah. um, you know she can definitely appreciate james brown but like and by the way I'm, sarah page is the harp player in the bar brothers if anyone's confused about who i'm referring to but yeah, she, you know she came from classical music and, uh, and never got into funk or jazz at all, so kind of had to find a new way to get funky and, and that was that was one she could she could get behind those those West African North African grooves and um, to kind of interesting swing that goes on there. We could We could convince her to uh to jam out
0: on that stuff. Absolutely. Do Do you ever feel like um, I I don't get this sense from you, but the, um, have like imposter syndrome when it comes to playing some of that stuff? Just because, even though I know you guys are well versed in it, it's it's uh, culturally, you know, comes from a diver- very different place than than you guys do. And <clears throat>
1: right, the whole cultural uh, appropriation um, dialogue. I guess so. Uh- yeah.
0: <clears throat> uh, I mean, I, I would never make that criticism. I think it's awesome. But I'm wondering right, if there's ever yeah. self-doubt about it or, or even external criticism from, from folks. To-
1: totally fair question. Uh, and no, not at all. Um, cool. And it's... I think it's probably because I, you know, I don't claim to have any kind of, you know there are people with way more uh, experience and insight and um, way, way more versed in in that kind of music Um, specifically uh, African, you know, yeah, North African, West African music. I've, I've never, uh, I've never like approached it that way. Like here's like, I want to write, I want to write something that's more African. I, you know, it's never, it's never been that it's always that stuff sort of it just, you know, seep seeps in over so many years, you know, I'm talking like 25, almost 30 years of, of, of really digging into that music and like, and loving it. And, and it's, and it's a, a place where Andrew and I, <clears throat> kind of have naturally go like 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 anyone that's listened to you know if you listen to punk rock for 30 years that's like you know kind of where you're gonna go and andrew and i have just been you know exploring that area for so long that it's, it's it
0: just seeps in
1: yeah it feels it feels very natural to the and I, and I also never feel like i'm actually doing it um, in any kind of traditional way like i don't i don't feel like my take on it i'm I, i'm not trying to like adhere to any traditions from over there in fact i'm pretty you know other than like other than find a groove and then and then you know improvise on it um there's not really any kind of like rules that i'm trying to follow so so i i, I never actually feel like i'm I'm trying to appropriate a sound, even though I'm, I'm aware that it, it these these rhythms, a lot of these rhythms, you know, ex- are, are these songs that I come up with that incorporate that stuff that wouldn't exist if it weren't for that culture's sure. influence. Um, it's still, it's, I, I never really pursue anything unless it feels like it comes from me somehow and, uh, and Andrew.
0: Mm-hmm. I should um I should probably mention that you guys have really um that stuff is <laughs> those rhythms um have really seeped into my playing the last couple of years. Um particularly because of uh because of you guys and, and hearing how Andrew approaches them and, and me then going back and listening to that music. But I mean I was always aware of the West African influence, um but not the north african stuff wasn't as much on my radar and um it's been really it's been really uh like a whole new kind of dimension to uh to my playing to be able to do those in between loping rhythms that you you were describing so thanks thank you guys for for getting getting me hip to that i know you crush it when you do <clears throat> the the other thing i that occurs
1: to me when uh thinking about that is that when i think about something like the you know a generic term like the blues when I um, like just over the years uh, I guess I would have previously said oh yeah the blues comes from Africa and you know and when it arrived in America it it was changed in these ways and it was adapted and and the guitar and this and that but but These days, I just have this more global view of it. Like it's it's more of a it's more of a human color than a you know specific to any geography. It's Hmm. uh, and and the same goes for the rhythms too. I mean, if you if you go on YouTube and you Google uh, or you you search um, Shamisen music. Uh, specifically, uh, it's I think it's called Tsingaru T uh, S I N G A R U, a certain style of shamisen music. You will hear everything that we're referring to when we talk about the blues, down down to the rhythms as well, down to that loping thing, um, be- bending it uh, like be- bending, bending melody and time. Um, or, or in, in uh, Indian classical histo- Hindustani music, you'll hear all all those inflections. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it it feels uh, to me like like that idea of the blues, and really what we're talking about is essentially a pentatonic scale. Um, this sort of plasticity uh, within it, the the ability to reinvent and improvise and and bend notes uh the the drone concept the concept of you know a a constant tone like these and and, you know and, and and more more elements the these are the sort of variables and the characteristic things that we're talking about and they really exist across across the map across the globe and for millennia so it's yeah, it's it's. I guess it seems these days to me to be more of a, more of just a human, human sound than a, you know, North African or West
0: African, or Indian thing. That's how I've come to see it. I, I like that perspective. I hadn't I hadn't thought of it in those terms. You had mentioned um, you have no songwriting formula. Um, I'm yeah. curious. How does the song come about for you? Do you like? Do you do you sit down and say, "Okay, I'm gonna work on writing music now," or is it just kind of you're practicing guitar or just playing and things just riffs come? Or
1: the best way I could describe it is <clears throat> you're making spaghetti. You got the guitar on. You're thinking more about the spaghetti than you are about the guitar.
0: This isn't uh, an, in an analogy. You're actually like cooking spaghetti at home wearing a guitar. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: You could be um, you know, you could be watching TV or just something is something is taking your mind away from actually what you're playing. You're just kind of you're doing some you something there's something else going on. Like you you're still free to use your hands to to play the guitar, but you're not you know, not terribly f- focused on it. Maybe, maybe you're, maybe you're sitting, uh, maybe you're sitting outside somewhere looking around. It's like you're, for me, it's, it's, it's gotta be like, somehow my attention's gotta be looking elsewhere for a minute, for at least, for at least the inspiration. It's like, I, uh, this is all to say, like, the more I, Zone in, and I'm aware of the fact that I I may be writing something. The less I write, um, so for me, let's say we're making spaghetti, walking around, playing the guitar, and just kind of letting things letting letting the fingers fall, and and then and then the hope is that roughly at the same time that I lock into some little guitar pattern, uh, a lyric arrives like you know somehow simultaneously and it could just be could be one word could be a short phrase could be a, like a melodic idea that just sort of feels right in the voice but they sort of have to arrive simultaneously and then and then that's the germ that's like the the seed of the thing and and then I'll usually like record a voice memo of it and like okay that's a little germ of a thing and and then then you know the work begins and sometimes it's uh sometimes it's a year later you know i I record these things and i'll save them on my computer and you know check in with them every once in a while i've got some on there that are like six years old that i'm like still thinking okay i'm gonna i'm
0: gonna write that song one of these days um but then you will kind of sit down and and finish these Bring these thoughts to completion and development
1: yeah that's the point where that's the point where it uh, where i actually sit down and write like you said sort of work on them try and bring them to completion become a little more um uh conscious of of my my role in that a little more cerebral mm-hmm. but um i think and this is no like mystery or no uh, no revelation, but it's just that like if I am if I'm somehow like you know taking my my conscious mind away from what's happening there and just sort of open the door for the for the subconscious to do its thing. That's how the the sort of seeds of a song are are you know. Planted or, or how they arrive, and then, and then I plant them, and then I water them, and then try and nurture them. But, uh, that would be that'd be sort of my my best description of of my songwriting process.
0: Yeah, I, that's uh, I gotta say um, for for someone as prolific as you, it it seems like a surprisingly elusive process. Just because it seems like there's so many unknown factors so you must get lucky f- to have those uh you know unconscious seeds planted so often
1: yeah i i have the same feeling about it i, I and i do feel like it's kind of getting lucky um because i don't i don't actually think i'm that prolific and maybe it's because sometimes it takes me two years to write a song or more mm-hmm. um you know like i'll have a verse but i can't get past that or something like I um yeah there's an interesting uh Malcolm Gladwell does has a podcast where he attempts to
0: revisionist sort of history
1: dif- is that what it is he always he's talking about different kinds of um <clears throat> creative processes that people have like, yeah like you know, Leonard,
0: Leonard, uh, Leonard Cohen versus Dylan that that episode the, yeah exactly and, uh picasso versus uh anyway c- cool. continue
1: yeah yeah well that that's the one um not to like uh attempt to, yeah it, um i think he's talking about geniuses there so for me i just have to kind of glean what i can and associate that and i guess i'd associate more with the leonard cohen um and whoever Picasso's, uh, sort of antithesis was there um in that it it takes takes me a while i i do kind of refine it more than more than just uh you know it doesn't just explode out of my head in in a you know in a 10 minutes in an afternoon between and during a cigarette break or something
0: right you're not nathan moore you know i'm not nathan moore even though i tried to be for 10 years we all do (laughs)
1: Um, but yeah, that's, yeah, I, I do kind of consider myself uh, like I get lucky. And also I've got, you know, I've I've got, uh, like Andrew's, Andrew's relying on me to write songs, you know, I, uh, I can't (laughs) let him down. (laughs) He's, uh, you know, he's incredibly good at all. Um, he's really good at, you know, helping, helping me shapey ideas once they come out but i'm i've sort of got the the duty of uh, of essentially writing those songs not to say he's not he's written some really great songs that i'm surprised didn't make it onto this last record but um like like it's a new a new thing for andrews actually like penning these whole songs recording them and producing them i i I think you would in particular ezra would, would love to hear his uh his songs
0: but um absolutely
1: for the most part yeah it's kind of my job so I've I've gotta make sure they keep coming. And and
0: then and then uh it just I'm I'm curious how much um Sarah and Andrew um and anyone else you might be working with kinda of help shape those or um it
1: has kind of changed over the years like uh Um, at first it was pretty much all just me writing in my bedroom and, uh, on the couch, whatever, and bringing the songs to them. And and the idea was how do they adapt their playing to, uh, to fit to these songs. Um, and with this recent record, it was, we, we kind of consciously took an approach, um, of how do we... Play together, as the three of us are. It was, you know, we've had, um, you know, a lot of other people in the band: bass players, other pedal steel, Joe Grass, Morgan Moore, keyboard players, Parker Spur, Andres Vial. But um, it's really the the three of us sort of make up the core of the band. And the idea with this record was: how do the three of us just play music together when there's no song? and uh and it was really revealing it was really like it was very uh, it was very like comfortable and uh surprising too like the the music that we just came up with um, improvising improvising yeah we set up in a studio out in way out in the woods like 30 minute drive from the nearest gas station and um Set up there for did a few sessions, a week week long session. I think we did three week long sessions over the course of like six months, and recorded it all. And just, uh, and it was, <clears throat> it was yeah, it was totally revelatory, and what's the word like, um, encouraging about just wh- where we had all kind of arrived uh, musically as a band, um. Yeah, this all goes to say, like, uh, where Andrew and Sarah fit in, like, I, it kind of ranges from everything from, like, really, like, this song came from an improvisation, like, uh, at least three of the songs on the record were just, just came from the three of us just playing together, you know, whether, whether it was me that came up with, like, the riff or the melody, um, or Sarah who came up with it, it was, like, we're all kind of right there for each other and like giving it, it, it was like one of those things that a song was born after an hour and a half of just playing um, together, so uh, or like you know four days of just playing together. So um, on this record, more than any other, uh, we really tried to draw from from our you know c- communal experience together and the way we influenced each other and then and then from there you know then it just then it gets into arranging and like questions about like you know what they they're very vocal in uh, the way a song is arranged and what feels right like oh no that that bridge feels forced or this should have a you know syncopated part or like that that's that's kind of another way that we all weigh in together if that makes sense
0: mm mm-hmm. mhm well Um, I can't wait to hear the record. When uh, when's it coming out? Um, I think
1: the first single is going to be available on uh, July fourteenth. Awesome. And then, like, I think think the way they plan to do it is to release three singles um, before the record is released on like October seventh or something. Okay. Okay. But um, there's probably I, I would probably be able to uh sneak a copy off to you. Uh I would love before that. then. I would love yeah. that. Absolutely. Well I know you'd I know you'd um listen with great attention and great care and generosity and uh and you you've always had a a way of of listening and, and putting it back to me and uh I don't know, describing it and letting you know, taking it in which is Really admirable these days because it sometimes feels like people do not have the attention spans that they used to, or that like it's hard for people to like hone in and really digest and exhaustively, you know, absorb what what uh, uh, musicians are putting out these days. So I I appreciate your generosity in that regard. Thanks, Brad.
0: Do you mind elaborating on what you're saying about shorter attention spans because I think that is a relevant topic and it seems like you might have some more thoughts on that
2: Actually what it makes me what it makes me think of is that like, I would really like to read some literature about the you know about you know from some actual like you know social technological Viewpoints on what the iPhone, the iPhone, and the internet uh, the effects it has had on, on sort of the you know global community and the way we take in art and the way we relate to each other. Like, I don't, I don't have that many um, concrete ideas about it, but I do know that I get kind of depressed by it. Um, I was watching. Uh, I was watching the Woodstock movie the other day and just watching all these people and watching what was going on thinking like holy shit like there's uh there's just nothing even c- close to the, the the you know these devices is I mean there's nothing like that to like take people's attention away like imagine watching the Woodstock movie that, you know, that would be made these days where everyone is got an iPhone. Like You wouldn't be able to, there wouldn't be a single shot from that movie where you didn't pick up somebody with their iPhone. And I have no, I have no problem with the iPhone. I don't condemn it. I don't, I, I don't, you know, I don't have any like hardline views against this kind of technology, but it does kind of trouble me just as like, as far as like, yeah, attention span would maybe just just be sort of gleaning the tip of the iceberg. Like, I really feel like they're sh- it's shaping our brains and what we're willing to what we're willing to invest in uh, in anything from music to time with loved ones, time with friends, time with strangers. Uh, like, watching that, that movie, I was thinking, man, these, these guys have nothing but each other in the present moment, the music that's on stage, nothing else is, like, distracting them, and it's pretty great to see, and, like, yeah, just imagining that scene today, it would it would be, you'd see a thousand cell phones in one frame, you know, um, and I, I don't know what it's doing, I don't, like, you could say in some ways it's helping us, but... I guess I feel like there's this real risk of it um, just sort of—I don't know if there's—shallowing is a word. Shallowing, uh, just like, just yeah, making our lives a little more shallow, making it a little less, less depth to the way you know to how how we take things in just sort of concerns me. And even more so when I think of Eli, It's like this is, uh, this is less than a decade, really, uh, of um, smartphones where it's, they're so ubiquitous, you know? I mean, when I moved to Montreal in 2005 with a flip phone, people thought I was, like, who is this guy I think he is with this fancy cell phone? I, I think I only knew maybe one other person with a cell phone in 2005. Up here yeah. in Montreal, right? They wow. thought they thought I was like some jet set, East Coast, uh, New England. I don't know,
0: Yeah, Elite. With, yeah. My,
2: with my cell phone. Yeah, and uh, so that was just to get just some perspective. You know, that was twelve years ago, and now, wow, it's so ubiquitous. Uh, you you know, you expect when you look at somebody that, in, in if 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 they haven't whipped it out now in about two minutes, they're going to whip it out their iPhone. Um. And again, I'm I'm guilty too, but uh, just show how, how easy and addictive it is. Uh, I don't know where it's where it's gonna go from here, but I already feel like it's sort of diminished our, the value we take and the value we have for this sort of life that's going on around us.
0: You're you're one of the few um, musicians I know that i don't really you really don't use social media as far as i can tell i mean i know the band does but it, i don't get the sense that maybe it's always you and i mean you don't seem to post on facebook or instagram like you seem kind of am i right
2: yeah i think i made one post
0: in yeah my life. I, I remember reading it and you were like this is this is my first post <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah. I was trying to um, trying to big up uh, Jim White and the uh, search for the wrong-eyed Jesus. I just was like, I just wanted people to be aware of him as an artist and and of that movie. I think that was my only post ever. Um, I guess it's. I guess it seems seems like a can of worms to me. Like I. I don't, and I'm so erratic with things, I'll kind of like, you know, I, I would, I know what would happen. I'd post for like a week, I would post a few things and people would start replying and then I just, then I just drop it, you know? So I, I kind of, I don't really want to have another erratic thing in my life that I don't really follow through on. Mm-hmm. Um, like social media, I, I just know I would like drop the ball, and um, and and people respond to that. You know, they're like, "What the fuck?" Where I? I wrote a reply to his thing, and he never replied to me. And I don't even want to go down that road. So, I, I just, I just, uh, I don't. But anyone's welcome to email me. Okay, my email is Brad at flip dot com. I, I love. I love sitting down and writing emails. I like talking on the phone. I like communicating. I just have never, yeah, like I was saying, never, never really wanted to go down the rabbit hole of social media because I'm, I'm not that committed to it.
0: Understood. Yeah, um, Brad, I know you got to go. I really appreciate your time. And you know, if you ever, if you ever want to you know, down the road, do another one of these, I'm sure we could have an entirely different conversation and it would be, it'd be just as fun. So, um, you're always welcome back.
2: Thank you. Ezra. I would love to. I would gladly. Awesome. All right, man. Well, it's great talking with you this long. I wish, uh, wish we could do this, uh, once a week.
0: Yeah, man. Well, well, let's, let's stay in touch. All right, man. Love to you and the family. You too. Okay. Thanks, Brad. Bye-bye. And there you have it, Brad Barr. Thanks so much, Brad, for coming on. I'm just gonna follow up with a few quick notes. If you're interested in hearing more of music from Brad and his bands, I would recommend all the recorded material of the Bar Brothers. Uh, I think it's all great and all speaks for itself. And then if you wanna delve into the slip, as I said, it's a little hard to kind of get the full picture, but maybe a good place to start is an album called *Alive Electric*, as well as an album they released simultaneously that same year. I think it was 2005, or called *Alive Acoustic*, which kind of highlight pretty, pretty varying sides of themselves. But then *Eisenhower* is their uh, kind of epic masterpiece indie rock record and those three albums i'd say are all pretty different and and will paint different pictures of the band and and might help you understand the collage uh that was that encompassed them at least in part also um brad had mentioned to me he's going to be on an upcoming episode of a another new podcast uh, from a guy named Nate Silas Richardson, who was a member of John Brown's Body, a reggae band uh, out of the East Coast. Uh, I'm, might still might still be a member, I, I apologize for not knowing. But Nate has a podcast called The Power of Song, and uh, we both approached Brad about the same time asking to be on our podcast. So if you wanna hear a completely different conversation with Brad, check out The Power of Song, and um, he should be there. Uh, In coming weeks. So anyway, thanks again for listening. I hope everyone has a great week. Come say hello if you'll be at High Sierra. Feel free to write me on Facebook, on Instagram. Send me an email through my website, EzraLip at Gmail, the Hour at Gmail. It's all good. I'd love to hear your feedback, trying to make these better and better. So let me know what you want, who you want, uh, any tips you might have. And, uh, I'm, I'm all yours. I'm, I'm open ears. And, um, thanks again for tuning in and I will see you soon. Take care. Bye-bye.